Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Situation a couple of days ago, 
I uh, I was playing the CD. I you know I still have a Case Logic folder with about four or five hundred CDs in it. Uh, got got a little jukebox set up in the living room. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know I can put it on an iPod, but there's just something about the whole jukebox setup that captivated me 12 years ago. So I'm kind of sticking with it. And I went to go play my Tupac Me Against the World CD. And it skipped. Okay. And it okay. skipped. And it skipped. And I took it out, and it was scuffed up beyond repair. And so I'm investigating the situation, man, because I don't know what happened, but I have answers. You you want you want answers, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll get them. Investigation is ongoing, like the NCAA with Mantell. <laughs> and we we gonna get to that. But you just don't mess up. You don't mess up the CD or you don't mess up the vinyl. You know, there's only something. We've got to hold on to our past. Uh, I've been listening to some old school as well, man, but I've I've transcended to the the digital and, uh, uh, you know, mixing on the phone and those things. Now I I need to go back. A lot of my CDs I'm looking at, I I need to clean them uh, because they've been been through something. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe make that trip over to Walmart and, Get you one of them little uh, cleaners and pull that stuff on there, shine it on up, put it right back in the system. Well, my short-term solution was simply download it, burn it to a CD, and now I have a burnt Tupac, Me Against the World CD. But I I just don't feel right. There's some staples you need to have in your library, and you need to show that you purchased (laughs) it. (laughs) You just want to be authentic. You want to be authentic with it. I understand. I'm with you on that. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to uh, uh, give you some time to talk about some of your favorite songs on the album at some point because uh, it seemed like you're emotionally tied to it. Uh, you know, you kind of tied to it like Jet fans are tied to being at the bottom of the of the of the, NF, of the AFC East. They just they just not gonna get out of it. They they just they just not gonna get out. They just tied to uh, 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 years of just uh, uh, mediocrity, but we're not going to talk about that. We'll leave them for later on. But we have plenty of talk. You mentioned Manziel. We're going to talk about him tonight. The saga continues. I told y'all. I said he was a thirty <laughs> for thirty waiting to happen, and I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm telling you, who's going to direct it? I'm telling you, I'm trying. I need to start doing some a search on, you know, who's a Texas A&M alum who's in film. You know, I we you know because they like to always tie that out of the alum and in film to the movie. But I want, I want to see who's going to direct that. One. I want to go behind the scenes on that one. So we go we gonna have fun with that one tonight. Uh, it, it, it really get into him a little bit. Um, you know, hard knocks is out. NFL season's going on. Uh, I just feel like my legs are waking up. My body's waking up. About this time of year, things start waking up because you know the NFL's coming. College football. College basketball, this kind of run. You go, we have a little low, you know, in the summers. It's when they do the these award shows. You might see the ESPYs, or you might see uh, Hall of Fame, and you saw all this kind of talking. Baseball's kind of going along. Now it starts to pick up. You know, NFL camp. We're gonna talk about the NFL. We're gonna start with the NFC East, which is, uh, you know, it's it's hard to pick, predict. You could you could you know um, you know people. Are, you know, place the Eagles in a certain spot towards the bottom, but all these other teams there all have a chance, including the Eagles. You never know. 
And so we're going to have a discussion about that, that what I see is a volatile NFC East and, and really get in uh, to some of that uh, as well. And so, you know, we're going to have a full night and whatever, you know, as we go, we kind of set the deck. And then if something comes to us that we really feel like we need to jump in and, and talk about, uh, we'll we'll hit that a little bit and, and, and start getting excited about it. So, you know, we kind of lay out the game plan for you, but, you know, you know, it's kind of like, you know, for you spiritual folks, if, if, if the Holy Ghost hits you, then you just go to where you go. Feel that, Phil T? If it hits you, you sometimes go where you got to go. So we might we might do that. We're going to spend some time here uh, at the beginning with our, with our uh, funky editorial talking a little about A-Ross. You can't in the PED. See, baseball, I got something to say about baseball, but our funky editorial we're going we gonna to get a little bit into this. I, I sat there. I had a chance to see one of Brian, uh, Ryan Brown's last at-bats before taking the big exit. Today's left. I got a picture of it. If you follow me on Twitter, you know, uh, RSDD Wills, uh, at RSDD Wills, you might see, uh, you seen that, I had a chance to see it. I'll hit it again tonight where you can see I saw I was up close and personal. I could have tested it. I could have probably pushed some PEDs out of it. <laughs> But we're going to do that with the Funky Editorial right now. We could have had to drop on that one. I think we're still working, don't we? But that's all right. You know, we don't have our regular captain in on here. But we'll just get we right do. on in. We do. Oh, oh we do? Uh, you know, yes, oh, right. there he is. Let me hand off. Game changer, come on up in here. Let me move to the wing. Let, let, me, let me, let me, let me. You know, I gotta move to the wing. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable. Yeah, I'm like, man. I'm like 3D. I'm like 3D. I'm like 3D. I like moving to the wing. Give me, get the ball out my hand. Yeah, just get out the way, man. <laughs> oh man, how you fellas doing, man? Oh, all right. Yeah, man. Fresh off vacation. You know, skin tan, hair long. You know how we get down. Hair <laughs> <laughs> long. Oh man. So yeah, let's let's go ahead and, and, and get into this funky editorial talking about PEDs and, and sports and in particular baseball. So let's go ahead and do it like we always do about this time. Let's do it, fellas. Fellas, only one thing we need to say. Shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. All right. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, the Renegades. Uh, game changes in the house. Back at the point, had to had to move D wheels off point forward for a moment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he was getting his Anthony Mason on. You know, like Anthony Mason used to run that point forward spot for the Knicks back in the day, backing people down. You know, from I was killing high. that twenty four. I was killing that twenty four second clock. I was down <laughs> about five and going over going over the PhD. He had the rusty shot. So, this whole baseball PED situation, man, it, I put this into the rundown because I just feel like I know we all got perspective on this. Um, when I put this in, the bronze situation had dropped, and being in Wisconsin, um, you know, it, it, I I had I had 
reconciled myself from the first time that dude probably took something and he got off on the, on the technicality. You know what I mean? Um, but a lot of people up here hadn't. You know, a lot of people had on, you know, blue and gold colored glasses, brewers colored glasses, so to speak. Um, and they just wasn't seeing, you know, seeing it the way the rest of the world was kind of seeing the situation. They were riding for their guy, which I get. That situation in the end just played out very poorly. <laughs> it made it made Braun look like a, a total uh a, a total jerk, um, in every sense of the word, you know. And it, I think it I think that put the that put the nail in the coffin of the uh unequivocal denial um tactic for some of these cats. Like, don't come out and just like I think Pujols is handling it the best I've seen it handle. I'm just gonna take you to court. <laughs> I'm not going to hold a press conference. We're not going to debate about it. I'm just going to take you to court. I'm going to sue you. And I think that that's that's the go-to tactic from here on out. <laughs> right. That, that, that's that got to be the go-to move from here on out. But overall, and, and overall, baseball just seems to be struggling with this whole PED issue. You know, A-Rod, this whole A-Rod situation is – Unfortunately, he's going to linger on for the rest of the season. And I know I, I want to get your perspective on the PhD. Um, I know D. Wills has got a take on it. I want to get your perspective on it as a Yankee fan. Um, first, I'm going to let D. Wills do his thing. Then I want you to jump in and give your perspective as a Yankee fan on how you're feeling about just A-Rod's presence on the roster in general. Because I think there's a bit of a tension between not only A-Rod and management with the Yankees, but I think some of his teammates are a little tired of him too. Um Give the fan perspective when you get an opportunity. I'm gonna pass it to D. Wills. D. Wills, you you got some choice words. I'm gonna let you have the floor. We're gonna clear out, and uh, you can pound the air out the ball for a minute. All right, the clock is winding down. But you know, I my, see. So my 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 main problem is that baseball in general um, is a big hypocrisy. And so, you know, uh, and, and I, I understood it was, it really hit me when I heard Bob Costa trying to rationalize greenies as not being as uh, bad as steroids, which is true, but it's still, it's still illegal. And that, when you have someone like that who is a, a great broadcaster going so hard around protecting the history of baseball to the point where, you run into another door where there are so many different ways people have cheated, violated the game historically, and yet they have this cloak of, of this kind of integrity in history. That that alone is what irks me about this. Now, the use of steroids, I think, is terrible. It's not a good thing for our young people. It's not something we should be doing. Um, I like to pe- see people compete. Um, to push at it, and if that means your body breaks down, your body breaks down. So I, un- I understand that. But for the sport to kind of take this position as if, you know, it's been violated when it has a history that is just riddled with hypocrisy from, you know, segregating games in terms of leagues, all of these things, uh, but it can stand up and look you in the eye like uh, it's, 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 uh, it's uh, full of integrity that's the part that kills me. Now, get into what's happening today. So people like Bron, who, you know, played at Miami. I ain't trying to hit on young Miami guys, but he's down there with Luke. He's down in Miami. 
He was around the elements. It's like anybody who played uh, in Oakland. I'm just trying to say, you know, I'm not saying you're guilty, but guilty by association. There's a high probability that you were guilty. And the thing about Braun is he looked straight in the face. So it's like, I didn't do it. And he just denied it all the way through and tore people down. He pulled a Lance Armstrong. <laughs> and so the players started turning against him. You know, people were talking about, you know, players were talking about they need to get rid of him. And so, you know, baseball got something on their hands. You know, I think, you know, when you start to look at the history, you look at, you know, the Hall of I mean, we're already seeing the impact on the, on the, on the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I think they're going to have to find a way to reconcile this. Um, and they're going to have to find a way to acknowledge who are the great people of whatever that era is, you know, call it the steroid era, and really clean it up because right now it's it's a mess. And, you know, you always hear Sealy coming on talking about, um, you know, they got the toughest uh, uh, rules, they've been hard on it, and they have made some strides. But the way they're handling these situations, how long it takes to deal justice, um, the way even they handle an A-Rod situation where, you know, you didn't catch him the first time, you're trying to play a strike, then you give him, try to give him 211 games for a first-time offense. You know, it's just a lot of slippery slopes that's going on. And that's the real issue is that the things that are more systemic, even more so with that what's happening with these individual players. Now, so, like, baseball has this issue, but it seems like it's really a baseball. It, how come How come the other other major sports aren't having the same kind of a, a, a issue with steroids? Um, or is it that we're just kind of ignoring the fact that maybe in the NFL, there's a lot of guys getting popped for PEDs. In the NBA, you know, you hear about it every now and then, but it's not as prevalent. Are PEDs a major problem in all sports? And if so, why does it seem like, in the public's eyes, just a baseball issue? Because unlike the other sports, the individual records, I I, I say individual records matter in some of the other sports, but the way in which baseball has branded itself around these individual records, around Ruth, around all of these things that are – Historic, even the idea of Ruth, who is a great baseball player, but he did it at a time when he wasn't really playing. He wasn't playing against no people of color. So they have this riddled history. I mean, baseball in some ways reflects so much of America that I think it it, yeah. it, it brings on it brings on uh, a lot of these emotions that I don't think other sports did, and, and other sports didn't have that long. I would say that that kind of elevation around those issues in which those sports are, are really kind of faced. Like, so even basketball is, you know, taking on some of those issues around race and, and stuff. And so it seems like baseball is, even though they, they know that stuff happens, they just still say it did matter, integrity of the game. I mean, they do some stuff that just elevates in a way that I think other sports don't really care. And then football is just brutal. People don't care what you do with your body as long as you knock somebody out. Baseball has this other type of skill, but I think baseball is a reflection of America. And I think that's why, in terms of its history, it's it 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 kind of gets this kind of rap more so than I think other sports. Yeah, and I'll give my two cents, and I want Phil T to give us some perspective on a Rod. With that particular, with baseball being that kind of like being the poster child league for 
PEDs. I think, to me, one, as you put, pointed out, there's a culture, there's a historic culture of cheating in baseball. You know what I'm saying? They call it charming or whatever. There's a historical context and a, and a legacy of cheating. This is modern-day cheating, all right? This is cheating in the 21st, you know, in, in the 21st century. This is what it looks like. It looks like PEDs. And you have a sport with this is just a part of the culture. And as you talked about, people romanticize it. So that's one element. And then you also hit on another element of it, is the way in which greatness is defined in baseball. It's about numbers. It's about statistics. It's not about championships. It's not about necessarily winning. Like, you don't have to win to be considered an all-time great in baseball. It's not a part of the equation. And I think in other sports, it is. When you talk about how we, we have this conversation about LeBron and where is his legacy and Kobe and where is their legacy and all these things, a lot of that is not predicated on stats. A lot of that is predicated on did you win. And if in, in basketball in particular, the culture is around putting yourself amongst the best players is around putting yourself amongst the elite. And in order to do that, you have to do it in the way that they did it, which is clean. And so if LeBron were to come out with Kobe, would come out today in a PED scandal, it would totally tear down what people think, that the, the legacy would be done. There would be no more ever conversation about any of those guys being considered amongst the greats. Um, and I think baseball is trying to do that, but I think that 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 in itself right there is a deterrent for LeBron James, for somebody like LeBron. Yeah, my take on it is, so, again, I'm that guy who still says that Barry Bonds never got caught. <laughs> okay, let me just preface it. I'm with you. You know, and uh, anybody out there listening, don't call me about a great investment that you have. Okay, I'm not gullible. I just have a hard time with baseball. I grew up playing baseball, grew up playing Legion baseball. You know, my summers were baseball from the time where I was six or seven years old to 18. I mean, that was it, uh, as well as other sports as well. So with A-Rod, we don't like A-Rod. We don't. You know, we've talked about this with how we, how some of us don't like the person of Kobe Bryant. There's something about A-Rod that just doesn't sit right with us. You know, it it seems like he, he and Jeter can do and say the exact same things, but there's a level of authenticity that's missing with A-Rod. Uh, whether that's fair or not, that, that's the general opin- opinion. And so the thing I don't like, um, and, and yes, I'm a Yankee fan, but I would feel this way if I wasn't a Yankee fan and it was somebody else getting picked on. You have, you know, the players' union have set up 50 games for the first offense, 100 games for the second offense. Why are we going to a level with A-Rod? I mean, you can't be spanking somebody for something that happened years ago. You know, <laughs> you can't. You can't. And well, you're, right, you're, right, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. A-Rod, from, from all reports, and we know these reports, can be very valid or invalid, and we don't know. 
But it seems as if he would have gladly taken took 50 games. There's other reports that he would have gladly taken 100 games. Now, there's 211. There's a vendetta there. there. There's something that you're trying to get from this cat. And the way I think it's going to fall out is that it's going to, you know, obviously it's going to go to an arbitrator. I don't think that's going to happen until the end of this season. He's going to end up doing 50 to 100 games next year, period. So that's the thing I don't like about baseball. It seems like they're trying to, like, it's, it's a perception thing. It's a perception. It's an impression management thing right now with A-Rod. A-Rod is like, you know what? I can lawyer up, dog, and I can get this figured out, and anybody in their right mind is going to say this isn't fair. You know, give me a suspension, but be fair with it. And to hear baseball is saying is we trying to get it right. We trying to fix it. You know, there's young kids that's using PEDs. We're trying to fix that. We're trying to clean up the game. We're trying to do this, this, and that. And the other motivation is that they're trying to do enough public uh, image and perception fixing out there so hopefully they can step into that second slot at some point. Because, you know, decades ago, generations ago, and even in, as, as recent as the 80s, you know, baseball was 1 or 1A in this country. They were. And NFL has clearly passed them. The N- the NBA has clearly passed them. And now they're holding on where some of these other fringe sports sports are are really threatening them. So I see baseball right now as being in the middle of the ocean. Ten years ago, they was you know they was like Tom Hanks on Castaway. All they had was Wilson, the volleyball, and a raft. Now they didn't came up, and they got a little bit more juice. They got a little more credibility. But, I mean, you're in the middle of the Atlantic with a fishing boat. I mean, you don't have no big dog cruise boat, you know, but you acting as if you do. So that's my problem with baseball. I don't think that they're being fair the way they attack A-Rod. At this point, as a Yankee fan, I'm glad to have him back. You know, the third base position was very weak for us this year. You know, it's not looking good in terms of making the playoffs. But at this point, if you're paying this cat that amount of money, put him in the lineup and see how he plays. Yeah, and, and for you, PhD, I know due process is a very, very – it's just one of your – that's kind of one of your one of your main tenets of how you roll. You, you, you seem to always be consistent about that due process piece. And for me, when I saw the – that MLB came out with the penalty that they did for A-Rod, you know, one word came to my mind. Fugazi. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah, uh, uh, 211 games. I mean, y'all have a collectively bargained process, and y'all are ignoring that process. Y'all are basically setting yourself up for an appeal. Like, th- this is grandstanding at its best. Y'all are really not trying to get this dude. Because <laughs> if y'all was trying to get this dude, I mean – on the on what grounds can you bypass? He hasn't been suspended of anything, ever. So yeah. on what grounds can you bypass this whole process? Now, bef- before I had some technical difficulties, I was talking about the fact that baseball kind of is, is the flag bearer for PEDs as far as sports league go and sports leagues go, and it's because the the, the A Rods, the Brian Bronze, you got MVPs who are getting getting popped. You know, I think if LeBron got popped and D-Wade and a bunch of top-level NBA dudes got popped, then the NBA would have a – then the NBA would be that league. 
You know, and I think a lot of baseball fans get upset about the fact that baseball is carrying is carrying a lot of weight with this PED thing. And when, you know, I think we'd be, all be naive to not think that other sports use PEDs. There are other athletes in other sports using PEDs. But it's not the top of it. The faces of your league aren't doing it. And that's where baseball, I think, as you said, they're on that island without a raft, and there's nobody to save them. I mean, Miguel Cabrera, uh, Chris Davis, these guys are doing amazing stuff and putting up great numbers. But, again, at the end of the day, there's a cloud over these numbers, man. And, you know, everybody's operating under the eye of suspicion in baseball. And so you really can't get excited about stuff that's being done until the game is clean and has been clean for an extended period of time. And, you know, I'm, I'm with D. Wills on the fact that I'm not for the PEDUs. I know some fans, you hear parents out there saying, I want them all to be on it. I want to see some crazy stuff. I don't, all right? That's not what sport is for me. It's not just I want to see guys juiced up and, and doing crazy stuff. I want to see people compete at a high level with their God-given talents, with the physical gifts and abilities that they were given naturally. Otherwise, it's not impressive. You should be able to do a bunch of crazy stuff if you own something. You know what I mean? That's not impressive to me. I'm not interested in watching that. You know, what impresses me and why I enjoy sport is because you see people competing at a high level with what they've been given and making the best out of what they've been given in a natural way. If, if PEDs are rampant in basketball, I stop watching. As much as I love the game of basketball, I have to stop watching. You know, it's, it's hard for me to watch college basketball, and I want to get into college athletics later on, but it's hard for me to watch college sports and, and not kind of be like, man, I, these kids they, these kids get exploited, man. I really can't watch this stuff. I really can't get into it like I get into the pros, you know, whether it's college basketball or college football, just because philosophically it just doesn't jive with me. You know, it just doesn't it just doesn't fit with who I am. So some real interesting points around the PED issue. Um I wanna I wanna switch gears real quick on on a smooth tip and I wanna have this conversation about uh college athletics. Um because it's kinda of coming up to the forefront again. We've had Alan Sack on, um, we've had numerous, numerous people come in who are at the forefront of this issue of payment for players in college athletics. Um, and, you know, I started a little bit of something on Facebook, a little bit of dialogue this week, um, just throwing it out there, you know, asking the question. I want to ask this question. This is off the cuff. I'm going, I'm going off the, I'm going off the ranch a little bit real quick. Um, this is off the cuff, but why do college, why do we hold on to this idea of amateurism in college athletics? Why is that a necessary? Why is that necessary? That's the question I want to raise to people out there because, you know, I'm on Twitter now and I'm listening to uh, reading tweets from Doug Gottlieb talking about the value of a of a scholarship and a college education and how that should be enough. And I'm I'm hearing I'm reading stuff from Seth Davis and he's also talking about the same thing. And it it, it I asked them all the question. I tweeted back at them all. Ask them, ask them this question, and nobody has dared to answer it. But why? Why do college athletes have to be amateurs? That's the question I think that we need to have a conversation about. So I want, I want, let's do that here. Let's do that here. So, D. Wills, why do you? Why? What does amateurism bring to college athletics? <laughs> that is a good question. Um, uh, I can't. You know, you know where I fit on this issue. Um, uh, I, 
I'm not as interested. I don't think it fits. I'm interested in uh, these young people getting a quality education, which has nothing to do with amateurism. So exactly, I think exactly. That's, why, that, that's, that's why that's a tough question for me because I think amateurism, is, amateurism is, a, is about a dollar value and is about exchange of currency. Um, it has nothing to do with amateurism doesn't uh, tell you whether or not these student, these student athletes are getting a quality education. So right. I, I don't from from if it's about having a quality education, then amateurism uh, has nothing to do with it because we have kids on our campuses who are, you know, great at computer science, do some other things, run their own businesses, who are being very successful and still good students and making Yeah, money. and this was and this was the analogy that, that's similar to the analogy I used on Facebook when I was going back and forth with somebody is you yeah. can have a, a student who's on in the art department who's on scholarship as an artist for their artwork. You know, at the UW we have the first wave program for urban arts. Those yeah. kids are there. If one of those kids is on a scholarship there's nothing. They're on scholarship just like an athlete would be on scholarship for a particular skill set that they have, uh, whether it be visual arts or, or spoken arts or uh, or you know dance. But they could gig on the side. They could go out and make money if they can sell their art. They could still get. They they could still be on scholarship. You know what I mean? Like they're not yeah. in violation of their scholarship by going and taking advantage of their talents elsewhere. If you have a student who's in the band and he's in the band by day, a student by day, and then at night. He's he's playing at a jazz. He's getting paid to play at a jazz club. He doesn't lose his scholarship for that. Yeah, and if he dropped the dropped the album and, and it went to number one and all the world. exactly, he, 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 he wouldn't lose his scholarship because of that. You know what I'm saying? No. If you had a kid who was who was on a journalism scholarship, you know, and all of these types of scholarships exist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like there are yeah. kids who are at school because they're great writers, and yeah. if he wrote a book and the book sold, well, they're not gonna pull his scholarship. So this whole idea that players have to be amateurs is just for me. That's where that's where the crux is, and that's where the conversation needs to go. Is how does amateurism enhance the product on the field? If it doesn't, then it's an antiquated idea, and we need to move on. And I'm not saying that schools need to pay players either. I don't want schools paying players because I'm also a strong advocate for Title IX, and I think it gets real sticky when you start to play just basketball players and football mm-hmm. players because those are the revenue generating sports. What I do need to think happen, and I've said this on the show before, is open up, let Manziel sign his autographs and get paid for it. I don't care if Johnny Football is doing that. And neither should the institution. You know, the institutions always talk about, and they talk out of both sides of their mouth, because they talk about this idea of the scholarship, and that's the payment. Well, if the deal is I play and you give me a scholarship, then that's the deal. And you shouldn't be regulating other parts of my experience. You feel me? Like if that's yeah. what they want to say is the overall deal, and that's the that's the that that's where it begins and ends is when you get a scholarship, so you don't need any additional compensation. Okay, so I'm getting a scholarship in return. I play, and that's it. As long as I play, I get my scholarship. As long as I get my scholarship, I'll play, and that's where our that's where our relationship ends. And as far as what I do outside of that, you you don't get to regulate that. They shouldn't be able to regulate that. And I'll take it even a step further, that that um, most of these athletes don't even get the cost of attendance. In those other scenarios where you talked about scholarships, a lot of times those students are, are getting packages built on the cost of attendance. So when you get when you get a, you get some other merit-type scholarships, a lot of times that's built around cost of attendance, right? So 
in, in fact, these students are probably getting less. And this is like, okay, I'm going to ask you this. If, if, if I told you you could move money from one side of the house to the other and then you're going to bring in $300 million, would you do it? So I'll yeah. say, I'm going to say both of y'all, y'all can move $1,000 from, from Chase Bank over to First National. And if just by doing that, you're going to make $300 million. Would you do that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what universities do. So when people like Doug Gottlieb them talk about, I'm giving you a scholarship, a value of that, that's not what it's about. It'd be different if you were given a scholarship. If this is what, if it's really what they're talking about, then let's let's end the season. Let's go back to the old school where if we really want to be about true amateurism, and I don't think this would do it. Let's go back to old school where it just ends at the end of the season, and then people just vote on who get the national championship. We don't play any ball games, right? They're not going to do that because that money not only brings in money around revenue in terms of the bowl games, but it also drives advancement and foundation work, development work for institutions. So when these people are talking about, well, these students are getting, you know, this quality education, which education has a value, but from an accounting standpoint, if I'm saying all you got to do is pay this to get $300 million more in your budget, that's not a hard decision for institutions. That's not a decision right. for anybody with they, in, in their own household. So it, it, this is you talk about billions of dollars, and we talk about this on a billion dollar level. Uh, and and the other piece is we got to stop uh, pretending that universities are being somehow charitable. Um, no, they're no. not just giving, you know, a, a five. They're not giving Rudy scholarships. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying. Rudiger's not getting scholarships. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it is a trade, all right. No. And, and, and and I would say this: I would take. If, if that's true, then make them renewable. So why is it optional? So if, if Doug Apley's people are right, let's say you're right, then why aren't people making it renewable? If it's really about the education, if it means I'm really investing in you, then when you sign somebody, why don't you just sign them for four years, five years? Right. Right? Why? 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 So NCA has made it available for everybody to do, only but only a small group of institutions have done it. So that right there tells you it's not about the education, because if it were about the education, then every one of them, if you want to change something, then let's go back to renewable scholarships. Now we can talk. It's about yeah. But when these happen, so then if I need to go, to, if I need to go to chemistry, if I want to major in chemistry, and you want to threaten whether I can play, cool, threaten me, but you still got to pay for my education. So maybe I won't play for you. But I'm gonna go get this degree uh, in chemistry because I want to get a PhD. Yeah. So I want to. Speaking of PhD, I want to bring PhD in. I want to bring PhD in real quick. I'm sorry to cut you off, D, but I want to get That's PhD right. in. Yeah, I got you get along. Yeah, because yeah, I got, I got kind of. I'm all in the ball, man. I'm all in the ball. He over in the corner like. I gotta come over pulling your jersey. I gotta pull on your jersey for. So PhD, what do you think of that idea? Like uh, that concept of why of, of why is amateurism necessary in college sports? Like, is it gonna erode the system? Well, I think that's what it's about. It's about the system. The system is set up, and the system does a adequate job, theoretically, of policing that players are controlled and players don't get paid money. Student athletes don't get paid money. Theoretically, now we know that it happens, but theoretically there are rules and systems set up 
Now, this may have worked 20 years ago. Now, it's it's a totally different world. I mean, you know, I'm in psychology, and sometimes we look at measures and scales, and a lot of the stuff that's done 20, 30 years ago, it's unidimensional. It covers one dimension, happiness. Now, these newer scales are multidimensional. They can handle five or ten different things, you know, with, with the same amount of questions that you ask people. And, and the NCAA is not built that way. The NCAA is built to deal with a unidimensional matter of fairness, to keep the, quote-unquote, to keep the, the playing field uh, sacred and fair for and that's Michigan <laughs> and UCLA. So theoretically, if they're doing one, like doing things one way in one campus, they have to work within the same parameters. Now, again, we can argue if this is being done or not, but this is what the system does. The system is not flexible enough to um, be adaptable and sensitive enough to deal with some of these things that happen nowadays where you've got social media, you have a way that these players can can be touched in terms of these agents, in terms of, uh, you know, with Manziel, these uh, uh, these card folks, uh, <laughs> um, you know, these dealers or whatnot, and the system was not set up to respond to that. And so, in my opinion, there's no way to make the system adaptable without blowing it up and starting over. And, you know, I, I was listening to Steve Spurrier um, on Friday. He was on Dan Patrick's show. And Spurrier, you know, dropped it like, hey, you know, I, hey, I wouldn't be surprised in a couple of years if some of these big conferences, we break away from the NCAA. And, you know, I think that's the next step, man. Because, I called that. <laughs> you did. You did. Yeah. I mean, the NCAA is going to be forced. They're going to be forced to adapt and to change or they're going to lose. And one by one, one by one, these these schools are going to start leaving. I and mean, we saw this, this in the 80s. If you read Alan Sachs' book, you know, right. when they came together with this college football association, you know, with the TV money, the NCAA was scrambling to try to figure this out because they were losing control. And so I don't see anything changing until we get to the point where some of the big boys – are able to say, you know what, we don't need the NCAA. You know, we can figure this out without them. The other thing I talk about with Manziel, AJ Green a couple of years ago in Georgia, similar mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Got got paid money, you know, for selling a, a bowl jersey. I think OSU, mm-hmm. Ohio State a handful of years ago, Terrell Pryor, a couple other kids, Sugar Bowl for you know exchanging stuff for tattoos and rings and you know a bowl rings. Uh, you know, I'm going to bring race into it, okay? No one – this Manziel thing is getting a lot of attention, and a lot of people are outcrying that the system is broken and we need to figure it out because Manziel's involved. You know, I mean, you have somebody that's coming for means, that's not doing it for money, that, you know, seemingly, it seems, allegedly took money, did these things outside the rules, rules that most of us feel like are baloney, but there's still rules, but why is it, you know, years and years, in the last 10 years, you see typically African-American kids do this, and it's more of a boneheaded. Like, the, the the feedback in the national media is more of, it's boneheaded. Why do they do this? 
You know, they're being selfish. And you still hear that a little bit with Manziel, but not as much. It's more of a cry to fix the system. And, again, it's different. Sometimes it takes something different to get people's attention to promote and facilitate change, and I think that's what's happening right now. Yeah, and and, and I feel you on that. I feel you 100% on a Manziel situation and how, on a sneak tip, race plays a major part in how – because people, a lot of folks make excuses for Manziel. A lot of folks make excuses for this dude. Um, you listen to these radio shows and cats will talk, call in. He's just being a college kid, this, that, and this. He, can't, he don't get to be a college kid. He don't get to just be a college kid. All right? Not when you, college kids don't have Heisman. Regular college kids don't have Heisman trophies. If they did, I'd have one. I'd have got one as soon as I could. Um but they don't give the – again, it's, it's this whole idea that this is just a terrible deal and he's a regular – you're not a regular kid. You don't get to be a regular kid. And, you know, special people have to do special things. You know what I mean? In order to be special, you got to be special. It's as simple as that. And Manziel wants to be special without – but be ordinary. You don't get both. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Special people do special things. And – if Manziel was black, if Manziel was black, <laughs> I've been saying this in the back of my mind the whole time. I've been this whole situation has been going. It's like if this had been Mike Vick as a red shirt freshman getting in this much trouble publicly, there's no way he would have went number one in the draft. There's no way he would have been getting crucified in the media as a college athlete. He would have been taking the task. And nobody would have been saying he's just being a college kid. Somebody yeah. would have been saying somebody needs to get him under control. Yeah. That's Cam and Newton. Gets nobody was saying that about Cam Newton. Sure. <laughs> right. He's just been a right. college kid. And so, and, and that's why I'm off. That's why I'm off on Manziel. I, as far as I'm concerned, dude's going to be a bust. He has poor decision-making skills. As a quarterback, you cannot make these poor decisions. In life and on the field, you cannot. It doesn't work. In, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. If this dude cannot, if this dude can't just not go out to a bar, or or show up to a fat party or say stupid stuff on Twitter, if he can't stop himself from doing that, wait till he actually get money. Like wait till he get NFL quarterback money. You know what I mean? Like it's just not gonna go well. It's not gonna go well at all. I mean, it's, he already thinks he's above above the fray, so to speak. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on that, PhD. I'm definitely with you on the Manziel. If he was black, this whole conversation would be a lot different. And I know white people out there, I know you get tired of us pulling the quote-unquote race card. But listen, man, it is what it is. I, I cannot see this playing out any other way. If this was Teddy Bridgewater, we'd be having a very different conversation. You know. and, and, and the thing about it is, how many college kids got a personal assistant? That's a special. I to love stuff. His personal assistant. Hey, Devon, Devon, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, right, with the whole Manning Camp situation. So, yeah, he went out and partied, and, you know, and people are saying, well, college kids do that. No, actually, college kids will go out and party, but most college kids will make sure they get up the next day. Yeah. All right? We've all been in that situation. All three of us have been in that situation where we've gone out the night before and maybe done a little too much and had some place to be in the morning, and we still got up and made it there. 
Why? Because we knew nobody was going to make excuses for us if we didn't. And we were going to lose the opportunity if we didn't. And we, we sucked it up. We put on a good face, as best face we could, given the circumstances that we had, given the situation we put ourselves in, and we rolled it out. <laughs> and, and we chalked it up to experience. We just did not show up. You know what I'm saying? We don't. Get, we wouldn't have gotten to do that. The regular college kid doesn't get to just not show up. That's right. You know what I mean? Because you can't just say, well, he's just doing what college kids do. McCarran showed up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? McCarran, McCarran went out too. I'm sure the other guys went out. They all got up and showed up. You know what I'm saying? But nobody – I listened to a lot of talk about this situation, and nobody said that because Katz was trying to make excuses for him, saying that, well, that's what – the other college kids who was at the camp got up and made it. So what, So how is this the norm? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't normalize something when everybody else is not doing that. <laughs> you know, Peyton and Eli got up and went. They could have easily said, "Ah, right, just my camp. I ain't got to show up if I don't want to. Yeah. I'll run this, you know." So that piece of it to me is is that's a whole other issue and a whole other topic. But back on this, back onto this idea of amateurism, you know, I think to remove these constraints would be a good thing. I think one, it removes the whole stigma around guys going out and, and and profiting off of their likeness, as the NCAA has been doing for so long. And the NCAA is in trouble because this Ed O'Bannon suit, uh, stuff just got real. (laughs) As they say in the sea, stuff just got real, all right? Uh, Because when you got EA stepping off and saying, you know, and the NCAA saying we're not going to do another college football game because, yeah, we violating and you got them pulling jerseys off the NCAA website because they know they violate. I don't know how you can go to court and say now you wasn't in the wrong because now right. you're going back and trying to correct it. Now you're That's going right. back and trying to and trying to re- revise history, you know. And it, 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 the NCAA just needs to stop trying to regulate this, man, and and let these guys go out and, and be able to profit off of who they are, just as any or, other student on scholarship would be able to. Or I go the opposite way. See, you're not gonna find. And I think Phil, you know, given see, this is why we got we, we got one of the emerging national researchers in this area. I feel like we had a scholar. He, he I, I said he was stuck. He went to the hole and dunked on a, a Jordan. You know, he just he just put it in, <laughs> and, I, and I, all I could do is look up. Uh, but I would say, or you or you go the other way. You go the other way if you really care about this. You you don't get into this whole idea. We're not doing tournaments. We're pulling everything back. We're going to guarantee y'all four years. You got renewable scholarships. And and whether you play football or not, you're going to do something. Or You can transfer and not have to sit out. You can transfer and not have to sit out, that this is real true sports, and and, and that uh, uh, if, we want, if, we, if we want to do this thing about life, we're going to put some money in or we'll have something where your heirs or something like that can come to the institution. You know, something like that, that if you really care about uh, uh, having an impact on young people through leadership through sports, uh, having an impact on breaking the poverty cycle, because particularly in this case in football, one of the largest sports, uh, you have more first-year generation, low-income uh, student-athletes participating. It's an opportunity to change the game and somebody. There's a lot of different ways you could go back and do it another way. But that's a clue that it's not really, it's more, it's more than about amateurism. 
because oh, it, it was more about images. You know, where you're seeing it come down everybody else, where it came down on, uh, on Penn State, they would have come down, everyone and said, we need to do this. We need to do yeah. this to, to, be, yeah. be, to, to really demonstrate that, the integrity of, of what it means to be an amateur, that regardless of whether or not kids stay, if you offer them a scholarship, then you responsible them for four years, five years of education until they graduate. And if they decide yeah. not to play and they want to be a chemistry major and go to lab, then that gets puts power back in the hands of kids. Yeah. And, and if you let it go the other way, well, you just say, you know what, if you can get from a, from, from a sports memorabilia guy, if he's going to pay you $1,700 to sign autographs, then go ahead and get that, Manziel. You know, because in the end, what that then does is now maybe Manziel doesn't want to rush and go to the league. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some of these kids that come from tough situations, you know, I, I said it on Facebook, you know, people say, well, why would a guy not just, why would a guy go to college then? Why wouldn't he just go, why, why wouldn't he go to, just try and go to the pros? And it's like, well, the reason guys leave early is because uh, in a lot of situations, at least the way it's presented, is the financial piece, you know. And maybe a lot of guys who would want to stay and finish their degree feel they have to go pro because of the financial restraints of their family. And if guys could be able to make a little something, help mama with the bills, but still get a degree, maybe guys wouldn't be in such a rush to to discard the whole process of, of, of the the college experience, you know. And maybe that actually puts education back at the forefront because you are there because you want to be there. It's not a, you're not yeah. just there because you don't have a choice. You're not just there because you're waiting to go pro and waiting to make money. You can make money while you're there. And also it creates an incentive to stay eligible academically. Mm-hmm. You know, I would rather them loosen up these outside um, restrictions and increase the academic restrictions and say, if your guys aren't at a certain GPA, they can't play. Yes. Because now, cause now guys can't build up their brand if they can't be on the field. And there's yes. incentive in having a brand as a college athlete. Now, because now you can go out and do a commercial for a dealership. You know what I'm saying? You can you can get paid for the read. You know, the, the reading is, is fundamental posters that are up in these school libraries. You know, you can get paid for that. You know, instead of having to do all of this stuff and, and, and have this, you know, everybody everybody wants kids to be intrinsically motivated, but yet no adults are. You know what I'm saying? You and I get up and we go to work and we do something we love. You know, we do something we love to do, but at the end, more than everything, I'm doing it because I need to pay. I need to pay bills and I have to I have to pay pay my way through life. I have to I have to pay a mortgage. I have to buy food. You know what I'm saying? So I can pretend like I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart, but at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing this because I need a paycheck. <laughs> I have to do something. So, you know, adults, and I see this in schools all the time, adults want kids to just value education and, and as if we did. You know what I'm saying? As if I just value. No, I, I, I understood what education can do for me, and I bought in. But it wasn't just I just love learning. You know what I'm saying? I understood the functionality of getting a, a, of, of education, you know, and I, I used it to my advantage. But at no point in my life was I just like, I love learning. You know what I mean? It's something that I grew to enjoy as I matured. But we expect 19- and 20-year-olds to have this insatiable love for learning and not really understanding how rare that is in the human population period, all right? And, 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 and let me add on that, but but insatiable love for learning 
in a context where you're controlling what they can learn. So it would be different, and this is why you know, I get bad at, and God leads them to know better, is that is that uh, if you ask people what they really want to do and they're passionate about, you know, a lot of them aren't even, even able to do it because it doesn't fit into their schedule. So you right. can't be talking about I'm giving you an education. And if I love science, you're steering me away from it because it's going to mess with football practice and then come back and say I'm giving you money uh, for an education. And that's the hidden stuff. So when I hear athletes like Godly them who know this is happening, come out here talking that crazy stuff, I'm like, are you crazy? Because you're saying and you're saying that they can do whatever they want to be passionate about at that institution, and that's not true. You can sit and interview all uh, athletes who play at that level, and they'll tell you uh, that they've struggled to really find what they really want to do. That no one ever emphasized that. So you can't be telling people they're getting a free education, but you place up all these roadblocks that you don't do for any other student. And so. Yeah. That's the part that they kill me when they say that about the education. That that translates into if a kid came in with a 3.7 uh, from high school and was good in chemistry and wanted to go into engineering, then you want to get out the way and let them go do that, even if that means they're late to practice. Or they can't yeah. do morning workouts. That's the part that right. people don't understand. Right. Right. You know, you, you add in travel time and all that stuff. It's it's just it's it's a it's a well – it's a well-oiled hustle, <laughs> and that's and that's ultimately why I just can't. Other than the NCAA tournament, I can't I can't invest too much in my 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 sports fan. Uh, it, it doesn't get a high priority on my sports fan shelf. You know, it's not at the top of my shelf at all. Because um, it's just there's too many. There's too much. You talk about the hypocrisy in baseball. It's just too much hypocrisy. Um, PhD, I'm gonna give you the last word on on this whole NCAA thing. Um, Okay, we'll move to another conversation I want to have. Pass. Pass. All right. So, NFL season's going. Um, preseason's getting going. The season's around the corner. Uh, let Let's get into this, man. We got to get the fans ready. Um, we definitely got to got to talk about. Uh, the divisions, and we're gonna each week we're gonna hit a division and and give you uh, our order of finish, our division MVP, um, uh, the best single unit in the division. You know, so the, the, for example, if we're talking about the Redskins backfield or the uh, the Giants wide receiver core, and then possible title contenders from every division. So this is what we're gonna give you each week. We break down the divisions in the NFL. This week, we're going to start in the east. To the east, my brother, to the east. All right, as X Glenn once said. Um, we're going to start in the NFC East, um, and we're going to go around the horn real quick. We're going to start at PhD, then D. Wills can drop his knowledge, and I'll drop mine. We're going to go order of finish. So what I want you to do, I'm going to set the table. We're going to go number one, order of finish, and then... After you give your order and finish, you can give just quick, quick synopsis of why you chose what you chose. But uh, I want you to drop that on. Each of us take a, take a couple minutes, drop our order and finish. In the NFC East, PhD, I want you to hit it off first. D. Wills, you pick it up, and then I'll bring up. Uh, I'll be the caboose. Well, well, I think that this this is the best division in the NFC, and I could easily see three teams coming out of this division to make the playoffs. 
The Cowboys by far are the worst team. I, I'm not a Romo fan. I'm not a Romo fan. And my third reason is Tony Romo sucks. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's how you really feel. Killing him, killing him, right? Tell him why you mad, dog. Tell him why you mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want a couple fantasy leagues now? You, you, you can't be that mad at Tony. Um, actually, the reason I won two of them, and and yes, Devon, you bring up a great point. I won a couple of fantasy football leagues, <laughs> and. Thank you for reminding me and the listeners for that. Because guess what? My throne, you know, we're going to be drafting in a couple of weeks. At that point, it's old news. So, really, you know, I need to uh, keep this platform going. The Redskins. (laughs) I have the Redskins finishing third in, in the NFC East, but being a wild card team in the NFC. I like Morris. Um, I think Garcon is going to have a huge year. I really do. Regardless who is playing that quarterback, I just think that having another year of trying to figure out that system, having a solid tight end at the beginning of the year, um, I mean, I just think Garcon is going to be the man. And I think he's going to have a, a Pro Bowl type of season. So you match that with RG3 as well as Morris. And don't forget, their defense played really solid last year. Uh, I mean, I I think if they incrementally bring RG3 along, I mean, I think he can have just as good of a season as he had last year but be a bit more efficient. Uh, the Eagles, I think, will be the surprise team in the NFL, and I think they'll finish second. And I have the Giants winning the division. Okay, okay. You're a little bit more high on the division than I am. I'm passing D. Wills. D. Wills, your order. I just think this is the most – I don't know if they're the best division in the NFC. I think they're the most unpredictable. Uh, but, you know, the Giants are uh, – they're, they're like a um, a stock that's predictable. Every other year you know they're going up. Um, and so uh, I have the Giants winning the division. Um, I think that, you know, once the, the, uh, the guys they have on defense – you know, come around and get healthy. I think they got to steal with uh, more on defense. You know, he has some problems. Something about Texas A&M. We got to talk about that uh, 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 a little bit. Head coach and some, you know, they, he, but he was one of those sketchy players coming out of there. But he's playing well here in the preseason. That's adding another young, talented guy on defense. I think the defense is going to be uh, strong as we talk about units. Um, I think Cruz is going to have a good year. I just think Manny is going to bounce back and lead this team. Um, I think they're going to be the most consistent given the volatility of the other teams. I actually think Dallas, I think the stars are right for Dallas to finally get it right. I think Dallas is going to be uh, number two. And the problem is I think, I think, I think (laughs) Kiffin, I think Kiffin, I think the surprise for Dallas is getting Monty Kiffin. He struggled at USC to get the young kids to learn, but he's one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. And I think he'll uh, find a way uh, to, to bring that defense together and have them playing more consistent uh, football. I think the Tampa, two will, you know, if you think of what the uh, Dallas had problems, they had problems a lot of times with big plays. And one thing about a Monty Kiffin defense is they don't give up big plays. And if you can give the offense enough chances, um, I think Des Bryant is going to have a huge year. Um, I think he's gotten better each year. Um, and I think, I think they're going to put enough for a run together. Now, will they win the Super Bowl? No, but I think they'll make one of them regular season runs. 
that'll be impressive. And I think Garrett is a nice young coach. I think stepping away a little bit is probably the right decision for him. But I like his – I like Callahan as an offensive coordinator, and I like Monty Kiffin on defense. I think um, he'll stabilize their defense, particularly since they got some weaknesses that, that Tampa 2 can help out with. Uh, Washington, I would have Washington a little bit higher, but just some of the things I'm seeing right now, I just think they might have a sophomore slump. They're going to play well, and this could flip-flop between Dallas and Washington. I wouldn't be surprised uh, that Washington. Philadelphia, I got them fourth, and the reason why is is if you, they got gas last night on defense, and part of the problem that I think uh, with uh, kind of uh, bringing this type of offense to the NFL is that it has the greatest impact on defenses. And Philly defense has some problems in the first place, and they can't stop the run. You either got to be able to run the football and you got to be able to stop the run. And I don't know when the last time Philly could stop the run. Philly could, the last time Philly stopped the run uh, was when, I guess, probably when T.O. and them was playing together. That's a long time ago. And if you can't defend, uh, these teams that they're playing within their division are going to gas them on the ground. Divine. Yeah. You smoke crack, don't you? <laughs> you smoke crack, don't you? <laughs> See, this is my Kansas City pick. That's what I'm back. You like, and I'm going to be like, he called it, man. He called it. And, and I pressed that one for PAZ, man. Yeah, Dallas? Come on, where's Ray? You, you're lucky Ray ain't called in, man. <laughs> Ray hate him from Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Steel fan, and you know I got a lot of hate, but I'm I'm, I'm on the air here to try to keep it real. And uh, I just think I think the big key for them is going to be Des Bryant's going to have an easy year. Uh, I think Romo will have a more consistent year, but I think their defense, their defense will be more consistent and won't give up as many big plays. Their defense gave up sometimes too many big plays. Their secondary couldn't cover uh, me in, with, with bad knee. Uh, I'd, I'd, have gone, I'd gone deep on them like Randy Moss, like, throw it, throw it up there, boy, throw it up there. And so I, I'm not uh, – but I think the defense is going to be the difference. Okay, okay. I'll run through mine real quick. Um, I don't like this vision, division at all. Um, I think it's uh, fool's gold division. I think 9-7 yeah. and seven will win it. Um, I like the NFC West as the toughest division. Um in the league, this division, I just, I just don't, I feel like all these teams are at a state of transition and in a state of flux. Um, the Giants are my favorite to win it, but again, I think they'll win it nine and seven. Um, you know, Eli's Eli, he's gonna be solid and consistent. The defensive line has a lot of questions. Um, Tuck is coming back from injury. Pierre Paul is coming back from injury. Um, they got some young pieces. Defense, when the defensive line is good, they're good. I don't know how good the defensive line will be. Um, at number two in the division, I got the Redskins. Um, again, I think they'll be nine and seven, eight and eight. Uh, solid team. Uh, I, you know, I'm kind of in with D. Wills on the slump. I do agree with PhD uh, fantasy football folks out there. Uh, Pierre Garcon, um, if you can get him late, uh, you know, you can get him in the mid rounds. Um, he, I think he'll be a solid wide receiver, too, who will uh, surprise you on a lot of weeks and give you some wide receiver one production. 
Um, so that's the guy that I keep on your radar if you're looking for a sleeper at wide receiver fantasy football, folks. Um, and I have Washington at two. Uh, Dallas and Philly, yikes. I don't like neither of these teams. And I, I don't like either of these teams a whole lot. <laughs> like, the, I'm, I'm not excited about what either of them is bringing to the table. You know, I'm, I'm in the same boat with PhD with Dallas. We've seen this story before. Um, Romo is what Romo is. I mean, they gave him a huge contract, and dude's like 34. I mean, he he's not getting it. He, he hasn't gotten it done, and there's no reason to think he's going to get it done this year. I don't know what – I don't know what what has happened that makes you think that somehow he's going to all of a sudden get it done and, and the light switch is going to go on for a 33, 34-year-old uh, quarterback. Um, and then in Philly, uh, it's going to be growing pains. Um, do I think Chip Kelly's system can work? Yes. I agree with D. Wills, though. Anytime we've seen teams run this kind of a fast-paced up-tempo, the defense has suffered. Um, whether it's been the Patriots going up-tempo or the Colts when they were up-tempo, the defense has always underperformed um, because the players aren't fresh. They're on the field too much. So I think that's going to be uh, tough on them. I don't think they have a deep roster, so there's going to be some attrition there once injuries do start to hit. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not super high on the division overall. Um, going on to the next one, um, division MVP. So best player in this division. Um, I'll kick this one off and then swing it to PhD and then D wills. Uh, you can bring it, you can, you can close it out. Best player in this division or MVP this season. Um, in my opinion, I'm going to have to go with – I'm going to have to it, – it, for me, it's kind of a tie um, between Alfred Morris and RG3. Um, I think without these two guys, Washington's bad, extra bad. Um, and I know it's not it's not uh, in vogue to <clears throat> uh, overvalue running backs, but – Morris and RG3 are kind of like a a symbiotic – they have a symbiotic relationship. Morris plays well, RG3 plays well. RG3 plays well, Morris plays well. And what Morris will do is he will give them opportunities to not have to run RG3. If he's doing what he's doing and he's doing his thing and he's running well, it's going to allow them to not have to put RG3 in harm's way. It's also – going to let RG3 be a quarterback, and he's going to be able to find Garcon. Uh, and like I said before, I, I think Pierre Garcon, when Pierre Garcon played last year, he was he put up numbers and he was he was tough to deal with. Now, he had a lot of injuries, um, but again, another year in the system, another year with RG3, I think, you know, so I'm going with, the, I'm going with a co-MVP, Alfred Morris and RG3. PhD. Yeah, Michael Vick. Mm. Michael Vick. You still riding that train? No. You, you, better, you, better, you better push that drop. You better push that drop. <laughs> Where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? Michael Vick. You smoke crack, don't you? You smoke crack, oh, don't you? Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, so, so I think that this, <laughs> if Michael Vick was coming into the NFL in 2013, 
and he was the first overall pick, I mean, he would think he was kissed by the gods if he got put in this offense in this situation. Get an opportunity to run a college offense, you know, a fast pace. Come on now. I think this is either going to be very bad or very good. And obviously by my selection of them making the playoffs, be having the second-best record in the division, Michael Vick being the best player, I think it's going to work out very good. See, and, and I, 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 hear, I, hear, I agree with that logic. I agree with that logic. But what, what gives me pause is his injury history. And guys who are in this system, it's another reason that I'm, 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 I'm a little shaky on Russell Wilson. I'm a little shaky on Colin Kaepernick this second year. Teams have had a season to break, break down what they're doing. And not that they're going to be able to stop it, but cats are going to know what's coming. They're going to be able to read it a little bit better, and that's going to lead to some big hits. Big hits happen in the league when guys get a beat on you. You know, they may not get there in time to break it up, but they got they got a beat on you because they 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 kind of got your rhythm. They got a they got a rhythm of what you're doing. And I just think Vic um, has been brittle the last couple of years. It's been hard for him to stay on the field his entire career, and I don't think that's going to change. So I think he'll have moments. You know, I think you're right. This is the perfect system. If dude was coming out of college, I think we'd all, you know, he's RG, he'd be, we'd be looking at him like we look at RG3. Honestly, we would in this offense. But I just, knowing what we do know, given that he is in his 10th, 12th year, we do know that he breaks down. So that'd be my one. That, I, I, I totally agree with the logic of it all. It's just that, that his injury history gives me pause. No, I, he no, will, the MVP. Me. Don't underestimate motivation and getting pushed. My man has not earned the starting position yet. And by all reports, the comp- like the competition is agreeing with him. So, I mean, don't be surprised, motivation. And this is when he finally got a shot in Philly a couple of years ago. This is what happened. Oh. It's getting deep in here. But what's happening here is exactly what I said about this vision. It can happen. And, and I, you know, the thing about it is, as much as I'm pushing back on everybody's responses, that's how crazy this division is. You know, Philly can yeah. win it. That's how crazy this division is. And so, you know, I don't push back on that. Michael Vick is a great player. You know, sometimes I feel like he's an older boxer. Still has some talent, <laughs> but he's punch drunk. And, you know, if he, if he, if he, if he got, if he, if he had gotten with, a great trainer early in his career, maybe he wouldn't have taken as many punches. And so that's what we hope we now see uh, in those early years. But I think he could, he could definitely do what you say, Phil. So I'm not going to disagree at, uh, with that totally um, because it's, it's so volatile. But I'm going to go with, for my position that y'all, uh, for the Cowboys to do what they have to do. I'm oh, Lord. Have a year. <laughs> oh, Lord, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do uh, it. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the upward trend I'm seeing is is, is Des Bryant, and oh, the reason man. why. Look, I was gonna say Romo. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I had my finger on the button. I had my finger on the button. <laughs> he gonna make. He gonna make Romo. He gonna make Romo look good. But if if you look at what he did his rookie year, he had uh, 561 yards, uh, 12 uh, 12.5 yards per catch, six TDs. But in his second year, he had uh, 928 yards, 14.7 yards per, per reception, 
nine TDs. Last year he had uh, 1,382 yards, 15 yards uh, per reception, and 12 TDs. And I think he'll have uh, about 1,700 yards and about 16 TDs this year. I think he's going to have his coming out. And I think he's going to make – sometimes with a guy like Romo, you need somebody like this to catch a ball that in previous years would either been an interception or a big miss um, to gain your confidence. And I think that Romo will have a good year because Dez will make some plays that would have, could have been disasters, but just because he's going to this beast level, he's made it look, uh, look great. And I think that's the key to the Cowboys getting over the top in this division. And plus, the defensive back situation, and let's be frank, there's nobody in the division really that's going to hold him. You know, he's going to be able to do what he wants to do with most defensive backs in that division. And this is how I feel about the Cowboys. I cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. I'll say for fantasy, he's the only player on the, on the team that I take now. But uh, other than that, I'm not I'm not messing with anybody else. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you first crack at this one, D. Wills. Um, best single unit in the division. So best unit. Man, I looked at this man. I'm like, it's like pea soup uh, in this division. Yeah. Oh my goodness! And I, I, I really, you can't really. This this was tough. I tried to find one, every, but every unit I thought about had had uh, had uh, had problems. So again, I'm gonna go back, and I'm probably gonna get hit with crack again on this one. Uh, I only had two units I probably would put together, but uh, with, with Philly having injuries, if Philly have injuries with, with uh, Macklin's out a little bit, I don't know how the receiving core is gonna come together. I think that could be it. I, I think uh, I think the front seven for the Cowboys will be the best single unit in the, in the league. Because I, I think uh, we're looking at with, you know, with, uh, with uh, where up, uh, up front um, and what they're doing up front uh, with that front seven, I think with Ratcliffe and, and folks like that, I think that they uh, will be uh, uh, the best front seven. The front yeah, seven. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the Cowboys front seven is nice with uh, Norton, and yep. see Charles Haley and oh oh wait a minute that's twenty years ago my bad <laughs> <laughs> oh man he got you he got you right there he got you he got you. I, 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 I know but they got where they got uh, they got uh, Ratliff I think he's gonna be there he's hurt and he'll be ready to go uh, I just think that I think that defense everybody else I think has weakness other than that I might say the Giants front seven might come together. But um, defense, but I, I think Dallas. In order for my pick to be good, their defense is going to be good. Okay, okay. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with on this one. Uh, the Giants receiving core, um, wide receivers and tight ends. Um, yeah. From Victor Cruz, Hakeem Nicks, Ruben Randall. That's a tough three. That's a tough first three receivers right there. Um, and then you guys got got guys who can still step up and and, and Ramsey's Barden, who's who's shown flashes throughout his his young career, and a guy like Lewis Murphy, who was with the Raiders, who has had moments and has been a a starting receiver in the league. So they have about five deep at the receiver position, which is you know a luxury for for a team. And then you go to their tight ends, um, and you got you know Bear Pasco, who's who's solid. 
But the guy who kind of really turns the tide is Brandon Myers. Um, this is a dude who was a, a serviceable tight end, very good tight end in Oakland. He's coming to a situation with Eli, who knows how to utilize the tight end position. So that 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 receiving core, and again, it was a bit pea soupish for me. I just there was nothing that jumped out at me that I was like, yo, this is this this group is gonna kill it. But um, this receiver core, the receiver core, if Hakeem Nicks can stay healthy, then it even takes a bigger jump. Um, because he he brings a whole other level of talent to the squad that just isn't there normally. Uh, isn't there, it, it, It's different when he's banged up than when he's healthy. When he's healthy, he's one of the toughest receivers in the league. Um, you add him with Ruben Randall and and Victor Cruz, and, and that's a that's a tough that's a tough crew. That's a very tough crew. So, PhD, best unit. My best unit, surprise, surprise, is the Eagles' backfield. I think McCoy is so dynamic, and I think he's got a lot to approve as well as Vic. And so, honestly, I think we might see what we saw in Washington last year, but more dynamic in terms of the running back, what we saw from RG3 and Morris, but with – McCoy, McCoy has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, and that's the one thing Morris was missing last year. So, so I think the best unit is the Eagles' backfield, offensive backfield. Okay, and, and don't sleep on Bryce Brown, uh, McCoy's backup. He had some big time games when McCoy was out. Um, when McCoy was out with the concussion issues last year, he played his backside off. You know, they got some depth back there, too, in case they do see some injuries. And by all accounts, Nick Foles has looked solid in camp. So, you know, I, that's not a bad unit either. That's a unit that I gave some consideration myself. Um, all right. Last question before we get into the dog of the week. Possible contenders, if any, from this division. Uh, PhD is back at you to start it off. Then D. Wills. Then I'll bring, it, bring up the backside. I'm going to go with the Giants, and for me, there's not one particular thing that the Giants do great, in my opinion. I mean, even their front four nowadays, I think they were way inconsistent last year. But I just can't argue with the success that they've had over the last five or six years. And if there's a team that I trust more, and I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, if there's a quarterback that I trust more than anybody in that division. Go ahead, say it. Go ahead, and say it. Is Eli Manning. Is Eli Manning, and I don't even feel comfortable saying it. You know, it's almost like you say a swear word around your parents. You try to figure out if they heard you or not. You know, I, mean, I, I just feel that uncomfortable. Um, yeah, so I go with the Giants. Okay, okay. He wills. Uh, ditto. I, I go with the Giants. I just think, uh, even from what you said about the receiving core. Um, I think the offense, sometimes offense can make your defense better. Um, I think the Giants' defense will be good because the offense will move the chains um, and, and and allow for them to get after people a little bit more. Um, and I just think that, you know, you know, it's just been the trend. You know, they have a bad year, then somehow they, they figure out to pull together another good run. And so I, I think they're experienced. They've been there before. Um, they get they got stuff settled with Cruz so he can focus and bring that uh, that receiving core together. 
And so I, I just think that they're probably the best team that's ready to make a move. Um, and then, you know, Dallas is asleep. Okay. Okay. Um, I have to go with the Giants kind of by default. I really don't think any of these teams have a shot. Um, if I had to pick a team and bet on a team, it'd be the Giants just because they have the pedigree. Um, they've looked mediocre throughout a regular season, which I think most of the teams in this division will. And they've turned it on at the right time, and they've proven they can do that. So um, nobody else has shown the ability to do that. So I have absolutely no reason to believe that they ever would. Um, and, and and one thing I want to add is, let me add one thing, though. You know, the Giants is one of the few teams that hit San Francisco in the mouth and ain't scared of them. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, we can sleep on the Giants, but, you know, San Francisco, every time they see the Giants, they get a little shaky. That's, that's one of the few <laughs> teams they get shaky with. I just want to leave it at that. Okay. Okay. So, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. RSG Renegade Radio, we just went through our RSG NFC East preview. Make sure you check that out. We gave you some, some, some solid information about the NFC East while also – Kind of touching on some little fancy football in there, you know, talking about who we thought was going to have a good season. Um, so make sure you check that out. we got to get Eric in the house at some point over the next couple of weeks um, to give you some real, some real, real, real lowdown on, on, on the fantasy football scene before you head out to your draft. Two weeks. August, August 27th, two weeks. Two weeks. All right. Perfect yeah. timing. Perfect timing. Catch everybody before you draft. So make sure. You make sure you download the August 27th, either listen live or download it so that you're all good and ready for that draft that you got coming up. I know I'm going to be asking some very uh, personal questions to make sure that I don't have to listen to PAZ brag about no more championships <laughs> in the league that I'm in. Because, <laughs> man, this dude. <laughs> they cleaned up. Guy. I didn't used to be that guy, but I really had to struggle for like five years, man. I just, yeah. So I, you know, I just want to let everybody know that, uh, you know, I actually won our basketball league too. Yeah, it's a good year. <laughs> See, you, you've always been that guy. You just wasn't winning. See, I will admit, I'm that guy. When I win, y'all gonna know about it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I still talk about. I went undefeated in the season. You try that. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, you were you you were witness to that, D. Wills. You were witness to that. Cat yeah, went undefeated. I, I yeah, yeah. Cat went undefeated. I, I just take the rings. That's all I do. <laughs> I've had a couple of championships. I've st- I've been on the podium. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, let's just go ahead and get into the resistance digital dog of the week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at for your custom technology solutions today. 
Man, I still can't believe I one took did that in one take. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> All right, fellas, dog of the week, D. Wills. Who's your dog of the week? Uh, it, it's got to be uh, Jason Duffner, uh, winner of the PGA Championship. You know, he's every uh, weekend golfer's dream. This is a kid that walked on. I mean, you walk on a football, and you hear those stories of make, making the NFL. He walked on uh, to golf at Auburn. Um, and then ended up uh, honorable mention all American. It's kind of in this. He started playing golf late, worked through, been in contention, and then you know finally uh, uh, won the PGA tournament, won his major. Uh, just a regular dude. When you listen to him talk, uh, he's got this old duffering, duffering, duffering kind of thing going. So get your hands from under your legs right now if you're trying to do it. Uh, you might pull a hamstring. But this guy is just a regular old dude <laughs> and winning. Um, in a, in a sometimes in a sport where cats can be pretentious uh, and arrogant, uh, this guy is just one of those guys you could just hang around and go out on a Sunday afternoon with. <laughs> yeah, the dust ring thing is uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, dude kind of came out of nowhere. That's kind of been the story with golf this season. Cats just kind of coming out of nowhere. Uh, PhD. Dog of the week. I'm going with Miggy. Miguel Cabrera, Detroit Tigers slugger. I got to watch him play um, on TV this weekend against the Tigers twice. And uh, <laughs> this cat hit a 420-foot home run to center field. It, it, it. This dude, sometimes you just don't understand um, how good of a player he, he is. Um, so that's my dog of the week, maybe. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, man, Cabrera, you know, it just sucks, man. It really does suck that this whole PD cloud, you got one of the best hitters in a long time putting in work, man. Cats batting 360. 360 on pace for 50 home runs, on pace for 150 RBI. Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous numbers. And he loaned uh, De- the city of Detroit $2 million. I mean, the cat got hard. They're going through bankruptcy. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's wow. that's hardcore right there. That's, that's tough times in the D, man. It's tough times in the D for sure. Uh, I got two dogs of the week. Um, my first dog of the week is Albert Pujols. Jack Clark got out of pocket, St. Louis radio show host, got out of pocket, said some online stuff. About my man Albert. Albert said, you know what? Let's go to court. <laughs> We're going to take this trial. <laughs> oh, I was like, nah, I ain't playing around. I ain't, ain't got to deny nothing. We're going to trial. Yeah. My second dog of the week. My second dog of the week is rapper Kendrick Lamar. All right? I'm an avid hip-hop listener. And it's probably been about a decade at least since somebody has dropped a verse where I have been like, yo, I need to rewind that. Like, I need to wow. listen to that over and over and over. And song came out today, Big Sean, Control. If you haven't heard it, check it out. One of the best rap verses ever. Calls out a bunch of cats in the game. Um, not on no diss stuff, but simply on, yo, I'm calling y'all out, and I'm letting y'all know I'm trying to eat y'all alive every time I step on the mic. And that's basically what he did. And it, it was more on some competition stuff, like the old school, like the like the rap that we grew on, like, out rap me. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't like you or, you know, I'm not your friend. It's that 
I'm better than y'all, and y'all need to outwrap me. So hats off to him for bringing that back to the game. You know, it, it, Twitter went mad, you know, when the, when the song came out to the point where I was like, I need to hear this. And I heard it, and I, I bugged out, man. It, it was one of those moments. I felt like a 16-year-old again, man. So hats off to him for doing that, man. So that's another edition of The Real Sports, guys. We'll catch you next week. Going to drop the warning for you. We got to get out of here. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you check us out again. We come back. Be on the lookout for the August 27th show. We bring in Eric Hamilton uh, to drop that fantasy football knowledge. Make sure you do. Make sure you check that out so you can get yourself ready for the fantasy football season. It's coming up fast. Drafts are going to be going down over the next couple of weeks, and you want to be ready. So make sure you you hang out with the with the renegades. We'll get you right. Any 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 parting shots, fellas? Be safe, y'all. God bless. Have a good night. All right. What we always say at this point? Peace. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.